Mr. Benfica is a production of the PTB Media Network. All rights reserved. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Stitcher, CastBox, Overcast, Himalaya, Pod Paradise, TuneIn, Breaker, and now available on iHeartRadio, Radio.com, and also on Audible for Amazon Prime subscribers. As always, select episodes available on YouTube and, of course, at www.mrbenfica.com. Please like, share, and rate the show on your preferred platform. Enjoy the show. This is Mr. Benfica episode 100.
up, Benfica Nation? Welcome to another episode of Mr. Benfica. This is the big one, ladies and gentlemen. We are finally here. Episode 100. Yeah, 100. I can't believe that I stuck with something this long, to be honest with you. This is a, this is a milestone for me, certainly. Uh, I want to thank everybody that's been listening to me since the beginning and everybody who just discovered me recently. I can't believe it. And here we are, 100 episodes later, our first episode. It dropped on February the 16th of 2019 after Benfica beat Sporting. In the derby, and then a week later, smash Nacional in that famous 10-0 victory. That was the first episode of Mr. Befica. Here we are now at episode 100 in the middle of a pandemic, and no one could have ever predicted the way that this was going to play out. But tonight, in this 100th episode, five, yes, five matches to touch on. Um, let me tell you, this calendar is absolutely crazy, and when you combine it to my calendar, it's twice as crazy. Uh, it's just been absolutely insane. It's been about two weeks since I put an episode out, and in two weeks, we missed five matches. Now, I've been watching, of course, as I know all of you have. If you're listening to this, you've certainly been watching. Um, just... All over the place. This this team is all over the place. You get excited one match. You think you've turned a corner. And the next match drags you right back. Uh, we got a manager that one that we all know can get more out of these guys. But right now it's not happening. Uh, he looks disinterested at times. He looks frustrated at times. He looks confused. We got players that that uh, just can't refine their form. We got others that are in form. And then, of course, we got COVID-19 that continues to uh, to rear its ugly head in our team. Uh, news breaking today, and by today, I mean December the 22nd, as the player I've been referring to by his real name recently. That's right, I'm talking about Luis Miguel Afonso Fernandes. You know him, and I know him much better as a PZ, testing positive for the virus today. He is out of tomorrow's. Portuguese Super Cup. If you want to know my thoughts on the Super Cup, the Super Tasa Candido de Oliveira, uh, go right now to www.mrbefica.com. I wrote some ideas there. It's not a technical analysis or a technical preview. There's no talk of tactics, none of that. It's all about the grit and what I think it's going to take for Befica to overcome this this gorilla that has been on our back, that has had the best of us, this gorilla we know as Football Club do Porto. We're going to kick off tomorrow. Okay, by the time you hear this, we may have already played that Super Cup, but it is on Wednesday, the 23rd of December 2020. It is the 2020 Super Taça de Candido Oliveira and Befica and Porto going for the treble, of course. Remember that they won the league last year and then beat us in the cup final in in uh, Coimbra, if I'm not mistaken, back in August, at the beginning of August, um, in a match that Befiquistas will be quick to forget when we debuted the current kits we are now wearing. Uh, of course, we already knew at the time we were getting George Jesus, and we thought things were just going to kind of fix themselves, and at first it looked like we were headed in the right direction, but we've certainly hit a standstill. We've certainly hit a... We've hit some a muddy patch in the road, if you will, 
um, on this this second go around with JJ as the manager, as it is not going as well as hoped. And I had said this that a lot of times history proves that the second run of a manager very rarely matches the first. This one so far has not done it, but but. Most important thing, the results are still going, for the most part, our way as we sit just a few points uh, behind our Lisbon rivals in the table and just a few points ahead of our rivals from the north, whom we're going to see tomorrow. But in this episode, like I said, five, yes, five matches to talk about. Basically, the whole month of December is on the table here. We're going to talk first in the first segment about the two league matches that have been played against Passos de Ferreira and against Gil Vicente. In the second segment, we'll talk about the two separate cup matches. And by separate, I mean the two different cups, the domestic cups that we're competing in. And we had two matches in those respective cups. We'll talk about the Portuguese Cup against Vila Franquense and the League Cup against Vitoria Guimarães. We'll touch on both of those. And then we'll finish up with a look at the last match day for the UEFA Europa League as Befica played in Belgium against Standard Liège. We'll talk about the draw for the round of 32 in the Europa League. And at the very end, I will give a few more thoughts that are not included on the blog post at www.mrbenfica.com uh, regarding tomorrow's Portuguese um Supertasa Candido de Oliveira Portuguese Super Cup match. Uh, a few things have happened since I've last been here as well. I just wanted to touch note on this before we proceed. Um, we we have lost a couple of real real big uh, personalities in football, and starting of course with with Portuguese manager Vitor Oliveira, one of my favorites of all time, one of the classiest. I've said this before, one of the classiest men. Uh, to ever don a sideline, a touchline in Portugal. I talked about him a little bit in the last episode uh, or in the one before that when it first happened, but it didn't stop there uh, after losing Vitor, or I should say just days before losing Vitor Oliveira. The world lost Diego Armando Maradona, one of the greats of all time. And then just in the last week, week and a half, you can add... Italian World Cup 1982 legend Paolo Rossi to the list, unfortunately, as he he left us. And um, and his, his, obviously his memory lives on, as, mo- as many of you know. Uh, my wife is Italian. My father-in-law is a very big Azuri fan and remembers Paolo Rossi very, very fondly. And very surprising to to lose yet another player from that great generation. You all know the way that I love the 1980s. And uh, the, the, the older I get, the more I dive into the 80s, whether it's music, movies, football, uh, any other kind of entertainment. I mean, the 1980s is just a time period that I'm enjoying um, revisiting now. Of course, I'm old enough to actually... Um, old enough to actually listen and read and understand uh the culture that existed at the time at the, as I was I was born in 1983 so I was just a baby and I hadn't even been born yet when Paolo Rossi led uh the Azzurri to the World Cup in 1982 and of course most recently the world said goodbye to manager G- uh Gerard Houllier former Liverpool and French national team manager someone who I actually I didn't meet him but I did I did uh, attend a workshop and a a session of his 
at the United States Soccer Coaches Convention that I used to go to every year. He presented a very, very good um very very good session for all the coaches in attendance that was probably some 10 years ago now so rest in peace memory eternal to all of those great football minds and football bodies um may may they not be forgotten and may their contributions always be remembered as um the game of football continues of course the game of football is going to outlast all of us and you know, today's stars are paving the way. And, um, of course, you you can't appreciate today's stars without remembering those who who made the path for them. And the, ga- the modern game we have today, we wouldn't have if not for these four men um, and for the work that they did throughout uh, their lives and their dedication to this this sport that we know and love of football. So, without further ado, we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to come back, and we're going to get into the two league matches. All right, this is Mr. Befica, episode 100 with the Mr. Mike Agustinu. As you know, you can follow me on Twitter at Befica Mr. on Instagram at Mr. Befica. Please visit the website, www.mrbefica.com. Uh, as I said, there's a new post up there, and also you can visit me on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash Mr. Benfica and don't forget to check out the YouTube channel there hasn't been much there recently but that's going to change in the new year um, Mr. Benfica on YouTube and also I do want to announce that January the 3rd okay January Sunday January the 3rd will be the return and the debut of season two of the Parking the Bus, a podcast on the PTV Media Network, my my other projects. So I'm very excited to get that back going up. It's been absolutely crazy, like I said, and I just have not had time to podcast, as you can tell, as I let five matches go by without reviewing them. But um, my work schedule is now dying down, and with Christmas around the corner, normalcy will should return shortly thereafter, and I look forward to creating a lot more content for you guys. I'm looking forward to a really, really big 2021, all right, with uh, with Parking the Bus and with Mr. Benfica, and we got a lot coming up in 2021. We're talking about Euro 2020 this summer. We're talking about world uh, the World Club Championship in February. We're talking about the CONCACAF Gold Cup. We've got... The UEFA Champions League, Europa League, Copa Libertadores, and Copa Sudamericana also to come. Not to mention uh, coverage of Major League Soccer, Liga MX, and Bra- Brasileiro Asai 2020-2021. Um, as all of that winds down, the PTB Media Network will be here to give opinion and analysis as as all of those championships start to wind down when the calendar turns to 2021. Huge year for football in 2021. Let's get it started. I can't wait. All right, so we're going to take a quick break right here. And on the other side of Reconquista, we're going to talk Benfica Passos de Freira. Jornada sofrida, a glória da vitória tem que ser bem nutrida Na reconquista do que é nosso por direito Quem não vi por fazer o que podia ter sido feito Se 
certeza, nossa força sabes que estamos contigo Em casa ou fora, nós somos o eterno abrigo Sabes que estamos contigo Nós somos o eterno abrigo Ouve a nossa voz O querer de todos nós A fé que não se explica Carrega bem fica Carrega bem fica Ouve a nossa voz O querer de todos nós A fé que não se explica Carrega bem fica Carrega bem fica Ouve a nossa voz O querer de todos nós A fé que não Sozinho em cada esquina um vizinho Sente o carinho do Algarve até ao Minho O vermelho pinta a Tuga e é isso o teu colinho Na reconquista do que é nosso por direito Que eu não vi por fazer o que podia ter sido feito Se queres a nossa força sabes que estamos contigo Em casa ou fora nós somos o eterno abrigo Sabes que estamos contigo Nós somos o eterno abrigo Carrega bem fica, carrega bem fica Ouve a nossa voz, o querer de todos nós A fé que não se explica Welcome back to Mr. Benfica. This is episode 100. I am the Mr. Mike Agostinho. And back at the top of the episode, even before the intro theme, uh, you guys heard a little a little audio montage I made of some of the very earliest episodes of Mr. Benfica, way before I'd kind of found my voice, so to speak. Um, as you could see, or hear, I should say, listening to that, how, how different I sounded at that time. And um, I really didn't know how to sound. When when I started doing this, and as we look back now, almost two years and a hundred episodes later, I uh, I can't believe that uh, I can't believe how this project has grown. What was originally set out to be a little bit of a hobby, a little bit of um, just me letting off steam after Benfica matches, has turned into a creative juggernaut for me. It's really been. A, the outlet I, I really needed in my life. I was missing football so much since I stopped coaching. Um, since I had to go into the, the workforce, not just full speed ahead, but double full speed ahead, uh, and I could no longer coach, I was missing something, and I found it here in podcasting, and I found it here with, with all of you that listen to me every week and that communicate with me throughout the various forms of communication, whether it's through social media, through my website, email, whatever it is. Um, I really, really was able to refine my love for football and re refill that void that I had felt. And um, I really didn't know what I was doing at the beginning, not to say that I'm, I'm any kind of expert now, but the show has organically kind of found its 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 path and I'm happy about that. And I never intended for uh, for it to to kind of first of all spin spin off into two two separate two separate spin-off series if you will, you know, both uh, Mr. Portugal uh, including the Portugal at the Euros complete history set that I'm working on right now and 
my latest uh, spinoff, the Tasa Show, um, both spinoffs of Mr. Benfica, and eventually spinning, not spinning off, but just growing into the the PTB Media Network and the original idea of the Parking the Bus podcast, an idea that outdated Mr. Benfica, but Mr. Benfica um, happened when it happened. It happened first, and it's it is still. I can say all this time later, it's still because of Bruno Lage. If not for Bruno Lage, Mr. Benfica would not be here. Uh, I never would have felt the the urge and I never would have felt the calling if you will to start talking on a microphone and, and breaking down Befica matches I just enjoyed so much about that the, that first six months of the Brunelage era and it reinvigorated me and really um, really inspired me to start breaking down football to start talking week after week and it was supposed to be a weekly show but you know as you have followed us. You see, some weeks I put out three, four episodes. Some weeks there's one. Sometimes I go three weeks without an episode. It all depends on what's going on in the rest of my life because I am doing this solo. And the reason I do this solo, I have explained in the past, but it's been a while, is because of my hectic schedule. And sometimes I have to record at 4 in the morning, sometimes at 4 in the afternoon, sometimes at 11 p.m. It, it all depends whenever I have free time to record these episodes. Yeah, that's when I do it. So uh, that is why this is still, for the by and large, a solo format. But I have had a guest on the on the show before. I've I've uh, branched out a little bit. Um, I never imagined I would have uh, now five uh, episodes dedicated entirely to and exclusively to Benfica's women's team and I have to admit that over 100 episodes that those are my favorite episodes I'm not gonna lie those are my favorite episodes uh why I don't know probably because I'm the only one doing them probably because I feel ownership of of that that service that product of covering Befica matches and I've said before the Befica women's players are top-notch they are world-class and um Always, always available to answer a question. Always, always showing support for me when I'm trying to show support for them. Um, I, I love that team, and, and I've enjoyed every minute of watching them grow and flourish. And in case you didn't know, the next episode, Mr. Befica 101, will be a review of Befica women's football's historic round of 32 Two-legged tie with the mighty Chelsea Football Club in the UEFA Women's Champions League. Okay, um, scoreline aside, okay, the women, the girls just played their hearts out, especially in that second leg in in London. Couldn't be more proud of that team. Um, I actually I get emotional talking about it and thinking about just just how far they've come and just the dedication that that team that that team has despite the difficulties and uh, do not fool yourself there are a lot of difficulties being a professional uh, athlete especially in Portugal a female athlete in Portugal okay they make it happen they make um they just absolutely make miracles happen and they've grown that team from from the ground from the second division to the UEFA Women's Champions League and again there is a they that team has conquered my heart and uh they know I love them and um I'm going to continue to cover them. I can't wait because we got the championship phase of the women's Liga BPI starting up very soon, all right? The final stage if you will and the championship stage, so there'll be a lot more content covering 
the Benfica women's football team in 2021. And of course, before the new year is out, I will also have a review of tomorrow's Benfica versus Porto Candido, uh, Super, Super Tassa de Candido Oliveira. And um, I'll break that match down for everybody before the end of 2021, obviously, as my schedule gets back to normal and I can get these episodes out much, much quicker. All right, moving on now to Liga Nosh round number nine. It is Benfica hosting Passos de Freire, and we're going to have to turn the calendar back a little bit here. We're going to have to turn it back to Sunday, December the 6th, 2020. We're at the Stadio de Luz, and Benfica trying to keep pace with their rivals in this one. And let's go to the lineup, starting with the very, very in-form Passos de Freire. They were very in-form when they entered this match, coming off of, I believe, five consecutive wins. Let me double check that they came into the match. I have the information here with me. They entered the match with four consecutive wins and a draw in their last five. The 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 Fevre Amarela, if you will, uh, managed, of course, by former Benfica player Pepa, who was uh, Portuguese football's manager of the month for November. All right, and Pepa sent out this team in a 4-4-2 to the Stadio de Luz in goal. Jordi, four across the back. Fernando Fonseca on the right. Marcelo and Maracas are the center back pairing with Oleg Rayabuk as the left back in midfield. Elder on the right. Bruno Costa on the left. And Diaby partners with Canada International. Stefan Eustachiu, uh, the former Nazarenuj midfielder, the former Nazarenuj uh, youth product from the beautiful town, if you will, seaside town of Nazaré, a place I love in Portugal. Um, same hometown as the Isgayu brothers, Ricardo and Tiago, uh, who also play in the Portuguese first division. And the potent attack, uh, the twin strikers, South African Luther Singh on one side and Douglas Tank on the other side, the Brazilian. And Benfica would send out this team in a 4-4-2 for JJ. He would send, make some changes uh, to the previous team that had played. Odie's back in goal. Um, the right back was Gilberto Vertonghen and Otamendi, the center back pairing with Nuno Tavares, replacing the then injured Grimaldo at left back. In midfield, Ulian Weigel would partner with Adele Tarapt for this one as Tarapt returns to the 11. Pizzi and Rafa, um, sorry, Pizzi and Everton would play on the flanks while Rafa partnered with Darwin Nunez in the attack. We move through the ticker. So I'll move through these matches a little faster than usual because we got so many to talk about. But again, Befica needing three points in this one. Uh, we're at the Stadio of the Luz, of course. But... Passos Fajeda comes out to play, and I said it before that I a lot of times I think that instead of applauding these teams that come out and try to play against Mefica and end up finding themselves getting routed, uh, that they should be criticized for that. Well, Peppa Peppa came out and played, and there's nothing to criticize. Uh, fantastic performance from Passos Fajeda in this match. 
Um, they took Benfica right to the limit in the fourth minute. Nunez had his had the first attempt. Um, Darwin with a left-footed effort from the center of the box, but it was saved in the center of the goal by Jordi. We move ahead, and we're in the 13th, and it is Pastor Tejeda, an attempt saved uh, as Douglas Tank would have a header from very close range, but saved in the center of the goal by Odie. He get as Douglas got on the end of a Luther Singh cross. Luther Singh, remember last year, completely cut us up when he was playing for, I believe it was Moreirens. Um We had a heck of a time trying to stay with him. A very, very quick player who um, has obviously some nice pace, good skill, and partners really well with Douglas. And we move ahead, 18th minute, and it is... PZ trying to put Benfica on the board. Again, the informed player for Benfica right now. The man of the moment, uh, Luis, Luis Miguel Afonso Fernandes. I like to use his full name. Uh, you know him, and, and I also know him as PZ. He hits the post with a right-footed shot from the center of the box. It was assisted, or I should say set up by Darwin Nunez. 22nd minute and an attempt is blocked by Nicolas Otomendi. It was Douglas Tunk with a left-footed shot from outside the box, but blocked. However, in the 23rd minute, disaster would strike for Benfica, who were playing quite well at the time. But off a corner, um, the ball comes all the way across. Uh, Benfica trying to get in out of their area, off of their lines, but the ball falls to... Pastor Sojeda's Moldovian left back Oleg Rayabuk in Oleg's left footed shot from the left side of the box goes high into the center of the goal. No chance for Odisejev Vlakodimos on the play. Odi was was uh, had his I think his line of sight was blocked by an offside player. The referee chose that it was not offside. The VAR did not intervene, and I'm gonna say this: they got this one wrong. Okay, and this is not because I'm Benfica supporter, you know, just trying to say that Benfica didn't deserve to give up this goal. This goal was offside, and here's why. Yeah, the argument being made by our rivals and by the those defending the referee is that I believe it was Luther Singh was the player who was in the offside position was not in the line of sight of of Laco um, from the shot, and perhaps that's true. But here is the problem. Okay. And here is why it is offside. If you go back and you watch this this replay, okay, the offside player is forced to duck to avoid being hit by the ball. The moment he ducks his head, he is part of the play, and he is offside. For him to not be offside, he has to stand still, and the ball has to not hit him. I mentioned this way back in Episode 4. You heard the intro to Episode 4 at the start of this episode. Um... It was that Clásico at the Dragão where Porto get the offside goal where Pep is standing offside, ducks, and lets the ball go in. When you duck in an offside position, you are offside. Play should be dead there. The referees in the VAR drop the ball on this one. Benfica fall behind a 1-0, but take nothing away from Passos de Ferreira. They, they fully um, worked for it and deserve to have a lead. Two minutes later, it was Douglas Douglas Tank again, right foot shot from the center of the box, but it was too high, getting on the end of a Stefan Ostaku pass, and Ostaku would have an opportunity of his own as he would miss in the twenty sixth. Um, 
Adele Tadopt would be taken down for a free kick in the attacking half and later in the 26th. Two minutes later, after the after the fuss is cleared out, it would be Peasy from the free kick, but his shot would be uh, would be blocked. Two minutes later, trying to get the ball in to Everton Sibolinha, but he is offside. The Brazil international can't get onside um, when he gets on the end of a pass from Nuno Tavares. And we move forward in the 30th minute. It is Ulian Weigel winning the ball and winning a free kick fouled by Eustachiu. In the 31st minute, it's a good attempt for Benfica. Good chance squandered as super Jan Vertonghen gets a header from the center of the box. But he misses to the right as he gets on the end of a PZ cross. And we move through to halftime. And Benfica go in to the halftime. Team talk behind 2-0. Um, Georges Jesus opts to make a substitution. He actually makes two substitutions right at the half as he decides he's had enough of Ulian Weigel and a very frustrating season continues for the German international. Weigel is yanked and Gabriel replaces him. Also, Pizzi, the on-form man of the moment. He is taken off in the 45th, replaced by Seferovic. And we move ahead. Now it is minute 53. It's Douglas Tank again trying to double uh, Pasu's lead, but his shot from outside the box is too high. He was set up by Bruno Costa. However, in the 57th minute, Benfica finally find their way back, and this is a this is a this is kind of a goal created by by one guy. But you got to give credit to to the assist from Gilberto on the play, and everybody listen, everybody massacres Gilberto. Everybody's all over this guy. All right, no, he's not the best defender, the, defensively especially, he's very vulnerable. However. Little by little, Gilberto is growing into his role in this team, and. Let's face it, Andre Almeida is not coming back anytime soon. Gilberto, little by little, solidifying his spot. And what he is able to do is, is to set up his teammates for goals. He delivers the ball well from the right side. The play starts when uh, Pasus try to, try to play out of the back. A, a diagonal ball is cut out by a retreating Rafa Silva. Rafa then starts to run at the... The Pasfrejeda midfield beating a couple players and then dishing the ball diagonally down the right to Gilberto. Gilberto, first time, uh, crosses along the ground into space right on to the end of the run of Rafa. And Rafa beats beats the goalkeeper to the near post. And it is one to one. Rafa Silva on the board again. What have I said about this guy? He just seems to factor in matches. He actually had a very, very good match in this one against Pastor Fajeda. George Azuz in the 58th decides it's time for another substitution in the visibly exhausted and the visibly um, in need of rest. Everton Sobolinha is is pulled and he is replaced by German international Gianluca Waldschmidt. And this was probably the substitution of the game because we'll get to it a little bit later. But Benfica start to push. Benfica start to take chances. They start to risk in the 61st minute. It is Waldschmidt with a left-footed shot from the left side of the box, but it was blocked. 
Waldschmidt trying to combine with his partner, uh, Darwin Nunez. The two of them have, have combined for some nice goals this season. 63rd minute, Pepa goes to the bench. He sends on Zé Wilton, and Zé Wilton replaces Elder Freira. Also, Luis Carlos replaces Diaby. Stefan Eustakiu will go into the book in the 65th minute for a foul on Adel Tarapt. Uh, in the 66th, we have a foul on Darwin Nunez, a foul by Dar- Darwin Nunez, as I should say, on Oleg. And Benfica continuing to try to get forward, trying to get a go-ahead goal. In the 69th, it's Seferovic's turn to miss. Right-footed shot from the center of the box. It's close, but misses just to the right. Again, Gilberto with the delivery here. A minute later, it's Passos trying to to go back ahead, and it is Wilton, the, the, the substitute. Left-footed shot from the left side of the box. Saved in the center of the goal by Odi Vlako. Um, Luther Singh with the through ball that Wilton got on the end of 71st minute and goalkeeper Jordi goes into the book for a yellow card for time wasting and Peppa makes another substitution in the 73rd Marco Baixinho replaces Maracaj and João Amaral replaces Luther Singh Nicholas Otamendi goes into the referee's book for a yellow card in the 73rd minute. And if I remember correctly, it's not a, it's a foul he doesn't even make any contact on. It's absolutely not a foul. And uh, it looked it at first at first glance. In fairness to the referee, it, it looked it at first glance. However, the replay shows that there was no contact made. All right, we got a substitution in the 77th for Jorge Chiquinho, replacing Terapt. And Pedrinho comes on for Rafa Silva. And let's just fast forward to the the key moment. All right, we're in stoppage time. We are in the third of four minutes of stoppage time, and it is Gabriel getting getting the ball in midfield, picking his head up, and doing this. So, Luca Waldschmidt wins the match and brings the three points to Benfica right in the dying moments. The ball would not even be kicked again. The referee would blow his whistle for full time. Let's hear from the goal scorer, the man of the match, Luca Waldschmidt. Who made the goal of the victory in the last minute? Hi, Luca, what do you think about this moment of the goal? Yeah, it was a, a good moment for me, but uh, the most important is the team. So, um, yeah, it was very important that we win this game. I think it was very tough. Um, yeah, the opponent was, was very good. Um, yeah, we were 
were 1-0 back, so it was hard to, to come back, but um, yeah, we fight it till the end and, and take the three points. At the moment, all the elements of the, uh, the, the match, uh, of the game, that were, what do you think about this moment? Uh, special, no? <laughs> yeah, it was special. I think that's the moment um, for what we play football. Um, yeah, we, we love the game and especially uh, these moments um, when we can yeah, celebrate the win with the, with the whole team. So, no need for translation there. That was in perfectly good English. Uh, Luca Waldschmidt telling you what he was feeling at the moment. Let's move along and go right to the goal point now and look at some of the statistics and the analytics from this match in round 9. Starting with Pastor Ferreira, they had an average rating of 5.82 with a 1.5 XG expected goal ratio. Um, they would, uh, they ended up, so they ended up scoring, you know, just under what their expected goal was, but if you did well to hold them to one goal, according to that, um, they could have very easily had to. Now, just before Luca won the game on that header, it is worth noting that they had a chance of their own at the other end that they squandered. And let's look at their ratings, starting with the goalkeeper, Jordi, 4.8. Fernando had Fernando Fonseca 5.8, Marcelo 5.6, Maracash 6.9, and Oleg 7.4. He was their top-rated player in midfield. Helder Ferreira 4.4, Diaby 4.1, Canada's Stefan Ostakio 6.2, Bruno Costa 6.4, and up front Luther Singh with a 6.2, Douglas Tank. With a disappointing 5.8 for Benfica now um, with an expected goals of 1.9. So they did just better than their expected goals ratio. Average team rating of 5.94. Odie in goal was a 5.9. Gilberto with a 7.2. One of his better performances of the season. And actually the second highest rated player on Befica for this match. A very, very good game for Gilberto. I said that. Otamendi 5.9. Avigal 5.7. Vertonghen 5.8. Nuno Tavares 5.4. Everton Cebolinha 5.2. Terapt 5.8. Pizzi 5.4. Darwin 6.0. And Liganaj selected Avaldschmidt as the player of the match. But goal point, statistically speaking... Uh, has Rafa as the man of the match. He has a 7.4, and I had said he was quite good in this match, one of his better matches of the season. And then off the bench, Seferovic with a 4.9. Gabriel, 5.5. Waldschmidt, 6.4 off the bench. Chiquinho, 5.0. And Pedrinho, 5.3. Let's take a look at some of Rafa's numbers here. He had a goal. He had three shots, two on goal. Um... He created he created the goal himself. He had three passes for shots. He had attempted ten dribbles, effectively beating his opponent six times with um, with a defensive action in the opponent's midfield. And he blocked a he had an interception which led to the goal also. The overall match statistics here. Shots, Befica 13. Pasus Fajeda 16. Shots on goal, Befica 4. Pasus 5. 
actions in the opponent's area, the opponent's half of the field. Befica once again with a lopsided lead in this particular statistic. Part of that is because teams allow them to do this. Uh, Befica with 32 actions in the opponent's uh, half of the field, while Pasuch had only 12 in Befica's. Befica's had six corners to four. Pass efficiency, Befica 84% efficient on the pass to Pasuch 70%. And in the vertical pass, it was a 70% for Befica to 56%. For Pasuch, uh, defensive actions in the opponent's midfield. Befica with nine as um, two Pasuch's seven. Uh, 21 fouls committed by Befica, 19 by Pasuch. Befica dominating possession with two-thirds of the possession, 66%. All right, let's move on and move ahead to the next league match. We're staying in the league right now. And so we're going to be skipping two matches in real time, but we're moving ahead to this past Sunday. Benfica at Gil Vicente, okay, and we are at the Stadio Cidade de Barcelos in northern Portugal. It's round 10 of the Liga Nage, Sunday, December the 20th. Let's go to the lineup. Benfica, knowing that, that Sporting have dropped points and they have a chance to close the gap. In goal for Gil Vicente is Dennis. Three across the back, Igor Nugueda, Rodrigo, and Tolosha. With four in midfield, Lorenzi, Joel Pereira, Lucas Mineiro, and Carvalho. And three in attack, Claude Gonçalves, uh, Antoine Lautehi, and Samuel Diaz Linu. Gil Vicente are managed by Ricardo Suarez. Uh, George Zuz would send the following lineup out for Benfica. Uh, Odi would return in goal. Gilberto once again at right back. This time, the manager opts for Jardel to partner with Jan Vertonghen in central defense. While it is Alex Grimaldo returning as the left back and replacing, replacing Nunu Tavares. In midfield, JJ opted for Ulian Weigel to play in the anchor position in this one as he has PZ to one side and Pedrinho to the other. Those were the three selected, or I should say. PZ is his midfield partner with, with Everton to one side and Pedrinho to the other. And the twin strikers were Harris Seferovic and Darwin Nunez. Interesting decision. To go with Ulian Weigel, but Weigel with a pretty good game in this in this one. Uh, pretty good performance. Um, but you can hear, and this is something I'm going to mention also when we get to the Europa League, but JJ is all over Ulian Weigel. You can hear him yelling at him the whole match, and um, I'm not sure if there's some kind of language barrier there, but it sounds like he's even confusing the player a little bit, but it's it's all game. Julian! 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 Sobe! Julian! Dash! You know, Julian, step, Julian, drop. And um, I think all things considered, he put in a pretty good a pretty good shift in this match. Uh, Everton would be the the key factor in the match, of course, as um, coming in. Peasy was red hot. Uh, if you go back to the two matches that we skipped, that we'll talk about in the next segment. But George Jesus really really riding Julian Weigel right now, and I know he has said that he sees a player there and he wants to bring it out of him 
But uh, with with rumors swirling everywhere about Ulian Weigel's um, the imminent departure, that we're talking about suitors, in, for example, Roma or or Hamburg has been mentioned also as a possible suitor for the player. But I can't imagine Befica just just taking a a hit a loss financially on this. Um, Again, many of us, and this has been the topic of discussion across the Twitter sphere, and I was in a discussion. I can't remember if it was yesterday or it was today. I'm telling you, I work too much. Um, if you don't know, I work 18 hours a day right now, and I sleep about two. So I've lost track of what day is what. But um, So I don't remember if this was yesterday or if it was today. But Weigel statistically, very, very good. He leads the team in some in some key statistics. Um, in terms of passes completed, forward passes completed, tackles. Um, I've always been, I've always said his positioning. I thought was very, very good. He's very good on the ball. Um, however, it just doesn't seem to be clicking, and you can see we have a frustrated player on our hands. Um, but you know, the discussion about his quality is in the air. Some. You know, Befica Nation split on this one. Some believe he's a total flop. Others believe that the team is is doing a disservice to him. I tend to to I tend to fall into the latter. Um, I've been big on him since he arrived. I think there's a player here. I I know many disagree with me, but I think there is a player there. There's a player who can do things that no one else on this team can do. I still believe he is the best one to sit in front of the back four and protect the two center backs when he's not there. Um, we are that much more likely to s- surrender easy goals in transition. Our center channel is an absolute highway. It is a freeway. Autostrada. Okay. Corredor Central. Autostrada. The central corridor. Central channel is an absolute highway. Um, and again, not I'm not going to beat up on this player anymore. But when you pair him with, with, with Tarapt, for example... Um, which didn't happen in this one, but he it did in the previous match, and he was heavily criticized. Um, but when you pair any holding mid with Terapt, there's a huge gap there defensively, and the other team is always going to be invited to come down the center of the pitch. Um, if you're going to use Terapt, you you better keep the ball for seventy percent of the match. You know, uh, in a big a big English Premier League match last week when Tottenham took on Liverpool. Um, uh, Jurgen Klopp spoke about possession, um, and and I've come on here and I've said how how I don't really value possession. I I have much more the Jose Mourinho uh, mentality about the game and about where to uh, where uh, how to win the match, I should say. And I I'm much more in his school of thought than Klopp's. But Klopp makes a good point, and he said that uh, Tottenham under Mourinho are a counter attacking machine monster. And Benfica make every opponent look like a counterattacking monster. One, because they're playing a vulnerable system and are not good at keeping the ball. I mean, they're making unforced error after unforced error, giving the ball away. That was the case again here against Pasfajeda. Against Pasfajeda here, a very, very slow, slow, methodical game. A lot of, of passes were, were poorly made, okay? Um... And some of this is true also if you partner PZ with with one of the central midfielders because he's also not a true central midfielder. And you're not getting 
you're not getting the best peasy if he's wasting his energy tracking back and defending and having to carry the ball 60 yards up the pitch before he can make that that final pass. The one thing he is good at, the one guy we have to deliver that final pass in the attacking third, you know, you can't be lining him up 40, 50 yards away from the area. Uh, and that's what we do. And what happens is when you have either PZ or Tarat in there, whoever's playing behind him is made to look foolish. Okay, so um, Gabriel has the style where he doesn't really stay home much. He moves around a lot more. He spends a lot of time, as I've said, covering for Grimaldo. Weigel, on the other hand, spends most of his time parked between these two center backs. Two different ways to play the position. I prefer Weigel's way of playing the position because I want to see my, especially when we have slow center backs, which we have. We have to face this. You want to see them protected. And you don't want to see your back line playing so high, okay, so that you create foot races. They should be sitting in deeper, okay, and they should keep the game in front of them, whether it's Vertonghen, whether it's Otamendi, whether it's Jardel. Okay, these three have a lot of experience. And what they may lack in physical ability or in speed and quickness because of their advanced age, they make up for in experience and in knowledge and in vision. Okay, they can read the game better than the younger players. Why is George Zouj stubbornly insisting on playing a high press when we don't have the team to play it? Anyway, I digress. Um, I thought Weigel was good in this in this match. Also, Everton w- was phenomenal. It was good to see the Everton that we, we were hoping for. Um, he was buoyed a little bit by the own goal that came off of his head. Um, two goals. The second goal was his as well. I'm not going to go through the minute to minute in this one. Just going to, you know, give an overall analysis, but not good enough. Not the performance that I wanted to see from Befica, you know, just before facing our biggest rival in a in a big match in a cup final if you of sorts. It's not really a final. It's a Super Cup. It's a match unto its own. There is a trophy on the line, but much more important against Porto is our our psyche and our pride that is on the line. And Porto know that if they come out and smash us like they did in the in the Tasa final last year, that Benfica's morale and Benfica's psyche is gonna be battered and bruised worse than their bodies will be. Okay, so we are playing for our own strength. We are playing for our own momentum that we need to take into 2021. So in this match, I didn't get what I wanted from Benfica, I'm going to be honest. It was a professional performance. You could hear Georges Zouj in the second half, and even the Spanish-language commentators on Goal TV said it here in the United States. They understood him. They said, Controlar bola, controlar resultado. Control the ball, control the result. Okay, and that's what Benfica did. They saw out the result. They got ahead. They saw it out. They were fortunate to play against 10. Um, no complaints. I'm sorry, but but uh, Gil Vicente have no complaints in regard to the sending off of Igor Nugueda. Two identically stupid uh, forearms to the head. You know, I could see the first one. He should not have. There's no excuse for doing it again and getting sent off again. Um I should say getting booked again and ultimately getting sent off. Uh, there are some some cries for a there should have been a VAR check perhaps on Gilberto. He was yellow carded for throwing a forearm. He was, however, fouled twice before he threw that forearm. Had the referee called the foul, that might not have happened. That doesn't excuse the forearm. And in the case of VAR, that does not 
um, overturned a potential red card. The referee decided on yellow. I think Benfica were fortunate. Gilberto was fortunate. However, when you watch on the VAR, the the Gil Vicente player could have also gone because he tried also to do the same thing. He just did not connect. And whether or not you connect is irrelevant in violent conduct. It is all about the intent in violent conduct. And um, it could have very well been both players being sent off or just Gilberto being sent off, depending how the VAR and the referee would have interpreted the images. Um, but VAR was not at least consulted in the stadium and play was allowed to continue. Like I said, Everton with a goal and forcing an own goal. And Befica victorious 2-0 on the road at Gil Vicente. Let's go to the goal point for this one as I pull it up here. And Benfica getting the all-important three points, keeping pace, like I said, or I should say reducing Sporting's lead to two points. So uh, the goal point starting out with Gilles Vicente, average rating of five point. Four five uh, expected goals of zero point seven. Of course, very very good for Benfica to finally get a a clean sheet. But let's be honest, this clean sheet was due much more to Odie making big saves than it was anything else. I saw it on Twitter. Some of you want to jump on me and say that it's because Otamendi wasn't there to screw it up. Come on, Jardel was beat. He made mistakes. There were three easy sitters that Gilles Vicente squandered. Um, Odie would have been the man of the match had it not been for Everton's goal and four stone goal. Uh, he was fantastic. Odie was in this match. Uh, Befica very easily could have found themselves down 2-0, even 3-0 in the first half. Uh, Dennis has a 6.5 rating in goal. Joel 5.5 uh, across as the right back. Um Igor Nugueta, 4.1. Rodrigo, 4.6. Tal, Talosha, 5.7. Laute, 5.4. Vitor, 4.6. Uh, Gonçalves, 5.6. Lucas Mineiro, 5.8. Lorenzi, 6.5. And Diaz Linu, 5.0. The substitutes that came in off the bench. Tim Hall, 5.2. Enrique, 5.0 and Buba 5.2. Mefica now with a 1.4 expected goals. They managed to put the ball in the goal twice. A 5.87 goal um, average rating. Odi, as we said, 7.3 in goal. One of his higher ratings of the season. Gilberto again with one of the better ratings. 6.4 for the Brazilian right back. Jardel 5.3. Weigel 5.5. Uh, on goal point, however, on Fop Mob he was a 7.5, so take with that what you want. Vertonghen, 5.8. Grimaldo, 5.4. Everton, the man of the match, according to the goal point, 8.2. PZ, 6.0. Pedrinho, 5.3. Seferovic, 5.0. Darwin Nunez, 5.0. Off the bench, Terapt, 4.9. Diogo Gonçalves comes on. Earns a 5.3. Waldschmidt, Samadis, and Chervi all enter, but do not factor in the rating. And we look at the statistics. Shot, total shots, 14 to Gil Vicente, 11 to Befica. 5 on goal for Gil Vicente to 6 for Befica. Um, Befica again winning this actions in the opponent's half. Again, 
by design because teams do not want to press Benfica high. They want to lay low and uh, and clog up the passing lane. So Benfica with 27 actions in the opponent's half, while Gil had 10. Benfica with three corners to Gil Vicente's four. Ver, uh, pass efficiency, Benfica 88% efficient to Gil Vicente's 53%. Oh, sorry, to Jovi since 74%, while the vertical pass 77% to Befica, 53 to Gilles. And Befica, 71% uh, possession, again, by design. Uh, Befica were nowhere near that good. They were very slow, a lot of useless and meaningless possession, a lot of passing backwards and square. So um, the, mo- the best part about this match was, in fact, the result. And um, we're going to move ahead now to the table here. As that The table is, by the way, up at www.mrbenfica.com. Um, it is already up and updated there after 10 rounds. So we look at the table here. And Sporting lead the league with 26 points. A little bit of a surprise. Eight victories, two draws, 24 goals for seven against. Benfica second with 24 points, two back. Third is Porto with 22 points. And in fourth, Braga is there with 21 points. So already the big four in the top four positions. While Vitoria Guimarães hold on to fifth place right now. 19 points from 10 matches. Sixth place belongs to Passos Ferreira, 15 points. Seventh belongs to Santa Clara with 13 points. Bolinish Saad has 11 there, eighth. While Famalicão Riuav share uh I should say Riuav Fumlico also on eleven points Fumlico ninth Riuav tenth thanks to uh go- it looks like goals scored as Fumlico have thirteen scored to Riuav's five scored. Morerens is eleventh they have ten points as do Maritimu and the Nacional. Gilles Vicente are fourteenth with nine points. Bovista fifteenth with nine points. Josualdo Freira, the new manager at Boavista, replacing a guy that I was very pumped and very psyched to to try to follow and to watch grow, but it was not meant to be for Vasco Siabra at Boavista. Right now, the the relegation playoff spot, because there will be a Liguilla, as they call it, a playoff at the end of the season. 16th place will play the third-place team, from the second division right now. That spot belongs to Tondela, nine points. 17th is Farence with eight. And last place is their Algarve rivals, Portimonense, also with eight. Let's go to the stats real quickly. Top goal scorer, Pedro Gonçalves of Sporting has 10. Rodrigo Pinho of, of Maritimo and Tiago Santana of Santa Clara have seven. And Harry Seferovic has a six. And then Valschmidt, Marega, Sergio Oliveira with five. And Andrea Andrea and Ruben Lamedas each have four before you get into a whole host of guys with three and two. Assists. Ryan Gold of Farence leads the league in assists right now with four, the same as Grimaldo and Darwin. Everton is next with three, as is Sergio Oliveira, Angel Gomes, uh, Tecatito Corona, Nuno Santos, Otavio, Ricardo Quaresma, all three assists. 
Okay, let's look at the fixtures for the next round starting Sunday, December. Actually, it kicked off today, I should say, with Braga taking on Chihuahua. Or perhaps this was closing. No, this was closing out round 10, excuse me. So round 11 kicks off on Sunday, December the 27th. Fomalicão hosts Gil Vicente. Nacional hosts Tondela. Ferenc hosts Passos Ferreira. Bilanes Sad hosts Sporting at the Jamor. Monday, December the 28th, you have Riuav taking on Maritimo. In Boavista taking on Sporting Braga. At the best. Uh, then Tuesday, December the 29th, uh, Benfica hosting Portimonense. Morire, uh, that's a 1 o'clock kickoff time here in the United States, or on the east coast of the United States, I should say. 6 p.m. kickoff time in Portugal at the Stadio de Luz. Morirense, 45 minutes later, hosts Santa Clara. And then the late game on Tuesday, the 29th, will be Vitoria Guimarães hosting Porto at the Don Alphonse in Rijks. All right, that's it for the Liga for now. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. We've got a message from the PTB Media Network. And on the other side, quickly, I will run through uh, the Taça de Portugal and Taça de Liga matches and where the teams go from here. This is Mr. Benfica on the PTB Media Network. <music> PTB Media Network presents the Park in the Bus podcast coming back right at you for Season 2, dropping January 3rd, 2021. And it is a new format this season, new format, multiple episodes per week, Parking the Bus podcast covering all of your football needs across the world and in 2021 coming to the Parking the Bus podcast, the FIFA World Club Cup, Euro 2020 Copa America, CONCACAF Gold Cup, CONCACAF Champions League, Major League Soccer, Liga MX, Brasileirão, as well as the Premier League, the Championship, WSL, Ligue 1, Serie A, Bundesliga, and La Liga, all coming your way in 2021 on the Parking the Bus podcast only on the PTB Media Network. So whether you prefer Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or any other podcast platform, CastBox, you name it, the link is in the show notes of this episode so that you can follow Parking the Bus Podcast. Go ahead right now, click follow. All right, subscribe to Parking the Bus Podcast and give a good rating so that we can get the Parking the Bus Podcast out to more people. And again, don't forget... Sunday, January 3rd, 2021. Season 2 is underway. Remember, at Benfica Mr. on Twitter is where you can find me and on Instagram at Mr. Benfica. And don't forget to check out my new post at www.mrbenfica.com just went up earlier today. Now, we'll move ahead to, or I should say we're moving back now in time a little bit to uh, the previous week, and it is the Portuguese Cup, and we are in round number four. Benfica hosts in second division side Vila Franquense, and 
Villafranquense had a little bit of a disadvantage in that their their third round match was played only a few days before this, so they did not have a long time to really prepare for Benfica. But um, they had just previously won the chance to go to the Stade de Luz and play against Benfica. And Villafranquense are coached by João Trallão, former Benfica youth coach who coached some of Benfica's current players, uh, notably Ferru, um, Diogo Gonçalves, and I believe Gonzalo Ramos all played for him at one stage or another. And this match went the way it should have. Now, I didn't wa- I didn't get extra excited about this. I enjoyed watching it on a TVE, on TVI. And I also enjoyed some of the analysis, I have to point out, from uh, the color commentator Manuel Cajuda, former manager, um, brought some nice insight that we don't always get in Portuguese commentary. But... This Befica playing in an all red kit in this in this match, and um, Villafranquense coming out in all white, and Befica just did what they were supposed to. So this is a win, like they say, a antiga, um, you know, old fashioned victory. The way they used to beat up on small teams, five nil. Uh, much of it due to a very fast start. Gonzalo Hamuz in the eleventh, Beasy in the 14th, and Seferovic in the 15th. Got Benfica out of the gates sprinting 3-0 after a quarter of an hour and just before halftime, three minutes before halftime to be exact, Seferovic made it 4-0 in the second half. Pedrinho with an absolute golasso. If you haven't seen it, go to YouTube and look this up. Pedrinho versus Villafranquense. This is an absolute golasso with his left foot cutting in from the right. Top corner, no goalkeeper in the world is going to save it. Perhaps the best goal Benfica have scored all season. 5-0 to Benfica. They see out the result. Not much to talk about, okay? we pl- This was not a match that, that really warrants much analysis, much uh, critique. I will touch on it again in the next episode of the Tassa Show when the time comes uh, in January when we get ready for round 5, the round of 16. Uh, the draw put Benfica going, if I'm not mistaken, on the road. Um, I could be wrong. Or are they at home? I'm going to double check here. No, Benfica are traveling on January the 13th on the road to Estrela Amadora. Okay, one of the old uh, clubs and one of JJ's, actually JJ's first club. And JJ said that, you know, th- that's where he learned football was at the Hubuleta. Um So a very good draw. And like I said, I'll get into that in the next episode of the Tasa Show as we get closer to that match. Round of 16, Benfica versus Estrela Amadora. And then three days later, after this victory over Villafranquense, Benfica would return to the Stadio de Luz. And it would be a match with always difficult Vitoria Guimarães. This one for the Taça da Liga quarterfinal. Remember, the the League Cup, um, or the Allianz Cup as it's called for sponsorship reasons. Um, this year with a very interesting format. Basically a format... Uh, that was invented, if you will, just so that the tournament can be staged and so that the league can cash in. And it, I'm a fan of the League Cup, the concept of a League Cup. Uh, I think it's good. I think it gives 
clubs that otherwise don't have a chance to play for silverware a chance to play for silverware. Now, we've seen Vitoria Stubal, and we've seen Moreirense win this League Cup. That, to me, tells me this cup is worth having. I know a lot of uh, fans don't agree with that statement, especially fans of our rival clubs. They think it's a waste of time. They think it's a it should be uh, scrapped or it should be just all reserves. But I think it's a valuable tournament. What I don't agree with is the way that it is used. And um, listeners in North America will, will understand this comparison I make or this reference I make better than listeners elsewhere in the world. But this League Cup reminds me so much of the CONCACAF Gold Cup um, in that it's, it's, it's fronted or presented as this legitimate cup competition. When in, re- when in reality, it is heavily manipulated to maximize profits, okay? Now, this year, there's no fans in the stands, I understood. But um, in the past, you know, the league, what they are trying, what they do with this cup is they've set up a cup that can almost ensure that the top four teams make this Final Four format, okay? They keep them separated. Benfica Porto, Sporting, and... Sporting Braga always separated uh, when there's a group stage because they are the top four um, with the idea that the four of them will win their group and advance to this final four. The league then puts this final four in a city. Okay, I don't have anything against the final four format. The problem is, uh, again, this is a money grab, and this is to create more matches between top teams for television. This year it's for television because there is no stadium. But if there was a stadium gate, it would also be to fill a stadium and bring fans of these four, of these four clubs, these big clubs, to a certain city. Uh, this year, the city is Leiria, and actually, they've announced that the deal uh, will see the the final four of the League Cup played through 2023 at Leiria, uh, at the Magalhães Psoa, right there against the castle, like I said, in the Tassa show. Beautiful stadium, but... Um, so, Benfica playing... Here against uh, against Vitoria Guimarães, that's because this year's format put them up against each other. So what they did was rather than having a group stage like they normally do, and again, I think this is a good tournament if you keep it different than the Portuguese Cup. Unfortunately, there's a tug of war and a you know a a media war, even a social media war, a a verbal jousting going back and forth between the Liga Portugal and the FPF, the Portuguese Federation. And it's unfortunate because they're they're always trying to one-up each other. This tournament, like I said, this cup has value, if you ask me, as long as it's kept pure. Like, And why I, why I reference this to the CONCACAF Gold Cup, the way... CONCACAF, the, the, the Confederation of North America, Central America, and the Caribbean, the way they run their continental championship, their version of the Euro or the Copa America, is that they first of all take the United States and Mexico and separate them because they want those two teams in the final. Why? Because they want to fill a stadium in an American city that has a large Mexican population. That is their formula. It is for television. They play double headers. They will put those two teams playing, and they will piggyback two teams with less support to play 
three hours before them in the same stadium. Okay, it is it is the ultimate money grab in football, and this Allianz Cup looks very much like the money grab for the for the Liga Portugal. Um, I mean the the competition has changed name due to sponsorship reasons more times than I can count, and it's it's just not being run properly it's just it'd be such an opportunity again like i said for for other teams to get a chance i think if they drew random groups okay and who knows you draw the big four all in one group that would be exciting that opens a path for somebody else and that forces them to play meaningful matches against each other the big four don't like that the liga portugal doesn't like that so they separate them this year there was no group stage due to the fixture congestion so Rather than scrapping the tournament because they can't possibly do that, they and it's understood, they have a television deal, they have a sponsorship deal with Allianz. So they decided that they were going to take the six top, the six top Portuguese first division teams at, I think, at, at round nine, if I'm not mistaken. They took the standings on that day at the end of round nine, and the top six were joined by the top two in the second division to make an eight-team tournament. First, the first-place team, Sporting in this case, would play second place from the second division. So, essentially, the first seed plays the eighth. Second place was Braga. They would play against the seventh seed, which would be the top team in the second division. So, Braga played against... um, now my mind is escaping. They played Istriel. Uh And then Benfica as the third team would play the sixth, which was Vitória Guimarães. And then the fourth and fifth was was Porto playing against, if I'm not mistaken, Rioav. I could be wrong. But uh, Porto took care of business. They won their Tasa La Liga game. Uh, Sporting won theirs, Braga won theirs, Benfica win theirs, but not without a struggle. So, Benfica take on Vitoria Guimarães. It is on Wednesday, December the 16th at the Stadio de Luz. It's the quarterfinal, of course. And uh, a goal from PZ from the spot, from the penalty spot in the 83rd minute, saves Benfica in this competition. And then Benfica would win the penalty shootout 4-1. to one. And they would advance to the Final Four. They will now play on the 20th of January against Sporting Braga. That was drawn this week. So, Benfica will play Sporting Braga. Sporting Club Portugal will take on Football Club do Porto. And the two winners will then meet in the final um, on that weekend in Lady All right. That wraps up Tasa da Liga for now. We'll talk more about it when we get to the Final Four. Um, of course, like I said, this is a competition I want to win. I'm not like the Sporting fans or the Porto fans that say it doesn't matter. I want to win this. Benfica won seven of the first nine editions, and I want to get back to winning this thing. So, Jorge Zouge is the winningest manager in the history of this competition. He's won it more times than anybody else. I believe he's won it five times with Benfica, once with Sporting. So, he's going for his personal seventh title in this competition. And I want to see Benfica raise a trophy. It's a great uh, opportunity to win silverware. Anytime you have a chance to win silverware, it should be taken seriously. All right. We're going to take our last break now. And on the other side, we're going to go quickly through um, what was a pretty meaningless uh, final group stage match in the Europa League. 
and we'll talk about the draw for the round of 32 in the Europa League. And I will uh, make a real quick, a real quick point about tomorrow's Super Cup match against Porto. This is Mr. Befica on the PTB Media Network. I am the Mr. Mike Agustinu. Follow me, like I said, on Twitter at Befica Mr. on Instagram at Mr. Befica. And don't forget to check out www.mrbefica.com. And welcome to the final segment of this episode 100, this historic episode 100 of Mr. Benfica. We're turning the clocks back once again, going back to Thursday, December the 10th of 2020. Of course, we are in the city of Liège in Belgium. Benfica well received there by many, many Benfica fans demonstrating outside the stadium upon the team's arrival, their support for the Glorioso. Of course, Liege, a city with a very large uh, Portuguese expat community and very large within that community, obviously, is a Benfica community. We're at the Stade Maurice Dufresne, and it is Benfica taking on standard Liege match a day six, Europa, UEFA Europa League Group D. Let's look at the lineup starting with the Belgian side. Arnaud Bordart is the goalkeeper. They're playing in a 4-4-2 managed by Philippe Montagnier. And manager Montagnier would go with these four across the back. Laurent Jans, uh, Merville Bocadi, Constantinos, Leifis, and Nicolas Gavori. Four in midfield, uh, uh, Goicho Simra, Samuel Bastian, Nicolas Raskin, and Edan Samir with the strike tandem of Abdul Fessal Tapsoba and Michel Ange Balequisha as the strikers. Uh, Georges Zouj would go with this lineup. He would make a few changes knowing that the, the result was going to most likely be irrelevant. So this needs to be taken into account. Yes, um, Befica still had a chance to win the group, but I think everyone had reserved themselves to the fact that it was very, very unlikely Rangers were going to slip up in the last match against what is, quite honestly, a very, very poor um, Lech Poznan side. So the manager deciding to make some changes. In goal, it's Elton late returning uh, between the sticks for Befica as he gets another start. And B-team call-up and, and 2020 UEFA Youth League standout, João Freira starts at right back. Remember when we watched the Youth League last summer, we mentioned his name. Uh, the center-back pairing for this one was Jardel, who seeded the captain's armband to his partner, Jan Vertonghen, Super Jan, playing in his home country of Belgium. Therefore, he was given the honor of wearing the armband for this match. A lot to made to do about nothing from a lot of Benfica supporters. I'm sorry. The, I don't understand when we became such an easily 
offended group of uh, of supporters. I think this gesture was quite obvious what it was. He was playing in his home country in a match that had very little meaning. Um, a match that ultimately had no bearing on the future because Rangers did their part in one. So the manager or or the captain, who knows, made the decision that the armband would be passed to the Belgium international Jan Vertonghen playing in his home country. He's the one that addressed the media. He got to wear the armband. I have no issue with this. I think people are just looking for anything and everything to complain about sometimes. There's plenty to complain about with this team. We don't need to go getting into these trivial matters. Vertonghen and Jardel, the center back, pairing. Nun Tavares replaces Grimaldo uh, at left back. Th- in the midfield, it would be Weigel and Tarapt, a tandem that... Very few really want to see, to be quite honest. Um, it just doesn't work. Nothing against either one of them. Uh, I've explained already why it doesn't work. But Weigel, um would be yanked in this one. I'll talk about that when we get there. Uh, Pedrinho would, would, would get the start on the right. And Everton, Subolinha, as always, starting on the left side. And Darwin Nunez teams up with Luca Waldschmidt in attack. Let's go to the ticker here. And Benfica, they start off, they start off all right, but again, this is a slow match. This is Benfica not really, not really stepping on the gas, um, knowing that this this result is pretty inconsequential. Some valuable experience moments, obviously, for João Ferreira as a right back. And some good minutes for Pedrinho, who is coming along nicely, I have to say. Pedrinho is starting to find his form, and he's starting to challenge for a starting 11 position a day in, day out, in my opinion. Everton with an opportunity with the right-footed shot from the center of the box in the ninth minute, blocked. But then in the 11th, in the 11th, it comes undone as Standard Liège would take the lead from Nicolas Raskin, a header from the center of the box, assisted by Laurent Jans, and the cross finds the head of Nicolas Raskin. And just like that, Standard Liège, who are not a very good team, let's be honest, they're a great club with a good history, but they're right now not a very good team, take the lead on Befica. However, it would only take four minutes for Befica to... To get one back, this goal created from the the creativity, the movement, and the dribble of Pedrinho. And then he plays a nice diagonal ball into the box, onto the end of the run of one Adele Tarapt. And for, obviously, I'm going to be fair when I criticize him, I criticize him. Adele Tarapt delivers a nice cross, finds the head of Everton Subolinha and Everton heads it into the goal. It is 1-1. Yes, Adele Tarapt with the assist. Everton with the goal with the header from the center of the box. 1-1 in Liège after a quarter of an hour. In the 20th, Pedrinho with another attempt. This time a left-footed shot from the left side. Blocked. Uh, he had been set up by Everton. A good game by for Everton in this one. 21st minute, and it's Darwin with a header from close range, and he misses to the right. A opportunity he should have been able to finish. 24th minute, and it's Tarapt now. Right-footed shot from outside the box, saved in the bottom left corner. 29th, it's, it's standard with an opportunity. Samuel Bastien 
with a left-footed shot from outside the box, saved in the bottom right corner by Elton Late. We move forward to minute 34, and this time it is Jardel with the opportunity off of a corner. Gets his left foot on the ball, but he misses to the right. Um, the corner was hit by Everton, headed back across goal by Ulian Weigel, and Jardel unable to knock it home to finish the play. And we move on, and we go to minute number 40. Minute number 45, Waldschmidt with a left-footed attempt from the center of the box, but he, his effort is saved in the bottom left corner as he had been set up by Tarapt. Halftime takes the teams in with a 1-1 result. And second half now, Tapsobo with an opportunity, right-footed shot from the center of the box for Liege, assisted by Nicolas Raskin, but he misses to the right. Pedrinho with an opportunity left-footed from outside the box, but his is saved in the bottom left corner. Everton with an opportunity again in the 51st. He does essentially the same play except from the other side. Uh, coming down the left, cuts right, hits a right-footed shot from outside the box, but he misses wide to the right. He, and that came off a pass from none other than Ulian Weigel. Weigel playing quite well in this match. Um, in the 52nd minute, João Ferreira goes in the referee's Car, uh, book for a yellow card foul on Nicolas Gavori. And then the substitutions start first for Standard Liege. Collins Fai replaces Aiden Shamir. And Jackson Muleka replaces Michel Ange Baliquisha. And two minutes later, it is Standard Liege taking the lead, surprisingly, at home. Nothing to play for but pride for the Belgian side, but they do take the lead. Abdul Tapsoa, right-footed shot from outside the box in the bottom right corner. He's assisted by Collins Faye, who just entered the match. Benfica look to draw level, though. Benfica not ready to give up. Benfica unbeaten in this competition this year. And Georges Jesus sends on Pizzi. Who else? Who, when you need a goal, you send on Peasy this lately. Uh, that has been the 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 formula recently. Uh, Peasy replaces Waldschmidt, and also Rafa replaces Pedrinho. So the tandem of Rafa and Peasy comes on, and we know that things can happen when they're on the pitch together. And in the 66th minute, it does happen, and it is Peasy converting a penalty kick. Um, as he he hits it with his right foot to the bottom right corner. That's because the penalty was drawn by João Ferreira. Listen, if there's VAR in this competition, which there should be, I've said that already. This is a European competition. There needs to be VAR. This this one would have been called back. There's no penalty here. No penalty, in my opinion. But if he could get lucky, they earn a penalty. And I think what would happen is Benfica would ultimately... Um, would ultimately would ultimately draw even, if you will, as bad luck would later be the reason they don't take the three points. But we get substitution in the 79th minute. Franco Chatri replaces Nuno Tavares. And Gabriel replaces Julian Weigel. Also, Stenard Liege with their substitution. Joaquim Carcela Gonzalez, the brother of our former player, 
uh, Mehdi Gons- uh, Carcella Gonzalez, who we played against earlier in the match day. He was left off the team for this one. Um, but the younger brother, Joaquim Carcella Gonzalez, comes on replacing Nicolas Raksin. And Harris Seferovich will replace Adel Tarap for Benfica in the 82nd minute. Um, and in the final dying moments, a ball is sent over the top into the area. Pizzi, it's Gabriel with a beautiful ball, one of the ones he's very good at doing. When Gabriel is on, Gabriel is on. And the ball drops on the area and off of the off of the hop, on the way down, Pizzi hits it with his left foot perfectly. The ball, however, comes off the crossbar, stays out. Perhaps that makes up for the the penalty kick that should not have been. But in the end, it is 2-2. Befica draw. They take a point. Let's take a look now at the table here in this group. As I pull it up for you. We're in Group D, as I said, and we'll take a look now at the table. Group D, all done. Six matches have been played. Rangers win the group, of course, as my my screen is freezing. Anyways, Rangers win the group. They only drop points to Benfica. They win all their remaining matches. Benfica with 12 points, uh, three victories, three draws, finish a second. And we'll look at the stats here as PZ and da- PZ joins Lille's Youssef Yazici as joint top scorers in the competition, each with six goals. Darwin Nunez is right one behind them with five. And that took us to a draw. And now we're going to take a look at the draw for the round of 32. It is complete. I'll just read the entire draw for the 16 matches, um, leaving Benfica for last, of course. Our league rivals, Braga, they drew Roma for the next round. Dinamo Kiev will play Klub Brugge. Krasnodar dropped down from the Champions League. They face Dinamo Zagreb. Uh, Red Star Belgrade will face AC Milan, Olympiacos, PSV Eindhoven. Real Sociedad will get Manchester United, who were shockingly eliminated from the Champions League. Slavia Prague will take on Leicester City. Wolfsburger AC will take on Jose Mourinho's Tottenham Hotspur, one of the favorites to win the competition. Swiss side Young Boys will face German side Bayer Leverkusen. Uh, Granada of Spain, one of the one of the last year's surprise teams in La Liga. They're on their maiden voyage in the Europa League. They will face Napoli. French side Lille will take on Ajax. Uh, Israeli side Maccabi Tel Aviv on a historic run through the competition. They'll take on Ukrainian side Shakhtar Donetsk, coached, of course, by Portuguese manager Luis Castro. Molda will take on Offenheim. Royal Antwerp will take on Rangers. Red Bull Salzburg, managed by American Jesse Marsh. They'll take on Spanish side Villarreal. And, of course, Benfica have drawn Arsenal Football Club in the next round. And what I saw on Twitter called the matchup between the team who can't score against the team who can't defend. So Arsenal, the team who's having all kinds of trouble scoring, facing Benfica, the team who can't stop allowing goals. Hopefully, Benfica are in better form when these matches come around. Again, the matches are scheduled for, I believe, the 18th of February is what I just read. 
That is the Europa League for now. Lastly, I'll talk about tomorrow's match with Porto. Again, if you want to know what I think about the, the match and about what needs to happen, uh, check out my post on www.mrbenfica.com. I break it down there. If you want to, uh, my idea of what's going to happen tactically, well, I really don't know where JJ is going to go with this. JJ is stubborn, and I'm afraid he's going to leave us wide open for the slaughter. Um, however, PZ will not be playing. Okay, he tested positive for COVID-19 today. Gabriel is doubtful. Uh, Otamendi is questionable, but will probably play. I know a lot of people don't want to see him play, but what an opportunity for Otamendi to silence the critics. What a way for him to to win the respect of Benfica fans. Uh, if he can go out there, have a stellar defensive performance, and maybe even add a goal off a set piece against his former club. Why I was excited about Otamendi joining the squad was these type of matches right here when we face them. Because when we face the bully, we need tough guys in our locker room too. And I believe Otamendi's a tough guy. And he's going to have to step up. If he's going to play in this match, if he's fit, he needs to step up and he needs to be a leader. Okay, regardless of the noise coming from this, from the social media world, from the journalists, from the questions in the press conference, from even his manager, he just needs to step up, lead by example. Okay, he's an experienced central defender with a world of experience, tons of talent. Okay, he needs to be tough. He needs to be strong and lead by example tomorrow. Benfica need to get on the board first. Okay, they need to they need to make the most of their opportunities. They cannot be inefficient. Porto will be deadly efficient. They always are against us. Okay, we need to limit set pieces in and around our area. Benfica need to play smart. The other team is going to come high pressing. They're going to hit. They're going to come in late. They're going to try to get under our skin like they always do. They're going to pressure the referee, okay, like they always do. They know what they can get away with. I said it in in the blog post. I I think they know that in the first 15 minutes they can they can really set a tone before the cards start coming out. Ugo Miguel has been named the referee. That's an absolute joke. Ugo Miguel should be nowhere near a football pitch at this level, much less a Clásico between Benfica and Porto. Okay, Porto's midfield is much stronger than ours. Um, at least right now, I want to see what I want to see is probably not going to happen. But uh, given who's available, I want to see Samadij and Weigel be the team uh, in midfield to secure it better, to play like a double pivot, and to hold that middle better and to protect our central defenders from the onslaught of attack from the Sergio Oliveiras and the Otavius if Otavio ends up being fit. Um, or the Luis Diaz, who's having a good season. Um, players like that. We got to worry about Medi Taremi. He leads. He's probably got a world record in penalties drawn. Marega is always a problem for us. Okay, his muscle is always a problem for us. As always, I'm worried about our left side of the pitch. Okay, Grimaldo's defensive uh, frailties seem to always get exposed against Porto. Um, they're not as strong as they were last year, but they're still. They have a tough mentality. They got a manager who is, who is, uh, you know, who is perfectly. They're basically perfectly molded in the image of their manager. They're gonna come out. They're gonna work us. Okay, we're gonna have to be ready to put in a hard shift tomorrow. We're gonna have to be ready to fight fire with fire. We're gonna have to get dirty. We're gonna have to get bloody. We're gonna have to dig deep. And most of all, we're gonna have to believe. 
Now, am I confident about this match? I'd have to be insane to be confident. I've seen what we have what we have been able to produce against this team the last several times we played them with the exception of the two matches in the Bruno or the match really in the Bruno Lage era um at the Dragon before uh his first match when we went there and won two to one. Weird things happen when we play Porto. Goals are scored offside, penalties are given. We have to be mentally tough, which I don't believe we are. I hope I'm proved wrong tomorrow. I'd be lying if I said I had confidence for this match. But I am a Benfica through and through, and I am going to watch this and hope. And by kickoff, I might have even convinced myself otherwise. But right now, uh, I'm I'm concerned. But I this is a huge match, and not because of the Super Cup. Yes, I want to win the Super Cup. Again, I want to put another trophy in our museum. And this is a competition that we should have won many, many more times than we did. Uh, we've allowed this team to become the poster club for this competition. Okay. Well, we had the dominance on them in the Portuguese Cup in the Tasa last season. They broke that dominance and they beat us in the Cup Final. It's time for us to return the, the favor in their competition. Plus, I think the momentum that could come from beating Porto would be, would be just... It would just be... Invaluable. It would carry. It could carry us through the rest of the season. Um, what I'm most concerned about is if we go in tomorrow, we get smacked. The psyche of this team that is so fragile will be absolutely battered, and um, we'll be back to 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 you know struggling against anybody and everybody. George Azuz needs to show up in this match. Okay, we brought him here to beat Porto. Make no mistake. Yes, it was for Europe. He failed, and and I don't I don't hold him responsible. So I shouldn't say he failed. the The team failed to get into the Champions League. It was a one game playoff. It is what it is. It's three months later. Okay, he's had he's had three months and s close to twenty matches now to to fix the problems that were handed to him. This team needs to have made progress by now. Okay, Georges Zouge makes the big money. It's for matches like this. Okay. It's when we play these guys because we have to come out with the mentality. And, and Jesus has to instill that mentality in this team that we're going to come out tomorrow. We're going to take the bully on face-to-face. -face. We're not going to back down. Okay? He needs to tell these guys this. Vertonghen needs to tell these guys this. Okay? Uh, Otamendi needs to tell these guys this. PZ's not there to be the leader, you know, and he's growing as a leader, so I'm kind of sad. Rafa is, is questionable for this one. Hopefully he's fit. Um, Seferovic needs to step up. Okay, he may what he lacks in talent, he makes up for in work rate when he decides that he is going to work for this team, and we need that kind of effort tomorrow. So I hope to see Seferovic in the lineup, and I just hope to see a new Benfica and hope to see a large step in the right direction in this match because we got we got a lot of football left to play this season, but. We cannot come out of this match battered, bruised, mentally, emotionally, or physically. We need to take them and stand with them toe-to-toe -to -toe and hopefully come out on top. All right. This is going to do it for episode 100. Thank you for joining me. Um, don't forget Thursday. Okay, Thursday, another episode of Portugal at the Euros, a complete history. will drop. I know one didn't get out last week. It'll get out this week. It's match day three. In the group stage of Euro 84, Portugal versus Romania. All right, the, the deciding match um, that will drop.
on the Mr. Benfica feed as well as on the PTV media or the Parking the Bus feed on Thursday for Throwback Thursday. And lastly, I want to wish everybody listening everywhere around the world a merry, merry Christmas, especially for those that celebrate. For those that don't celebrate, then I want to wish you a happy, happy day, a very happy December 25th. And I hope that you have a wonderful day, a wonderful weekend. And like I said, I'll be back after the holiday this weekend we'll, to discuss the women's team in the Euro, in the UEFA Women's Champions League. And then before Benfica's match on Tuesday, I'll have a review of, of tomorrow's Super Cup. And then again, next Tuesday, we got Benfica at home uh, playing, I believe I said, Portimones in the league. So lots of action coming up. And don't forget, January 3rd, the start of Season 2 of the Parking the Bus podcast. Thank you. This has been Mr. Benfica, the 100th episode. I am the Mr. Mike Agustinu signing off, and I'll catch you next time here on Mr. Benfica.